Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. All right, so after Grandma goes to hell, what happens next? Welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media of our shared childhood. My name is Amy and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenna, you born... <sighs> I'm... Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't say my name. This is going to be a long episode. My name is Jenny. I'm her sister. I was born in 1974. I'll take it in small chunks. <laughs> Uh, everyone, we are recording this election week and we are not going to get political, but I'm just saying, if you're paying attention at all in the world, you're exhausted. It's like day three. <laughs> it's like Tuesday part five. And <laughs> I just haven't slept for like a week, basically. Yeah, I haven't slept for like three days. And I keep waking up and checking my phone at like four in the morning. And then well, you can't go back to sleep. Yeah. Today we continue our look at Little House on the Prairie with Season 3, Episode 6, and again I have issue with this title, Journey in the Spring, Part 1, where it should be Journey into Spring, Part 1, but whatever. Uh, so on the Little House site, it says Journey into the Spring. Oh, I don't know. All right, whatever. Okay. The description reads, in the wake of his mother's death, a devastated Charles travels home with the intention of bringing his father back to Walnut Grove. Lansford Ingalls is devastated after his wife's death and would rather commit suicide than continue his life with someone else. Meanwhile, with Thanksgiving approaching, Mary and Laura aren't quite sure how to tell Carrie the truth about the turkey they just purchased. Okay, I have my hand up. Me, me, Wait, hold on. I gotta go back to that screen. Okay, what? (laughs) When you have a mention of committing suicide in the episode description, (laughs) you know it's gonna be a wild ride. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it delivers on that. Yes. And so I guess this is good time any to say trigger warning. This episode has a lot of discussion of suicide. So I'm sure we're going to be talking about it. So if that's something that uh, triggers you and you'd like to skip over to our Cobra Kai series or our blockbusters, go ahead and do that. Now. We're starting to have trigger warnings on everything we do. <laughs> I feel like there's a reason for it. No, I, I'm not saying they're not warranted. I'm just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying we will let you know up front. Hopefully, there's also like, you know, like depression's a theme here. I don't know if you need a trigger warning for that though. It's just well, a I theme. feel like, th- yeah, I feel like that falls under. Yeah, true. Self harm. Okay. okay. Direct, directed, and written by Michael Landon. 
Directed and written by Michael Landon. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Okay. We open on a small cabin in the woods. And I must say, a handsome Lansford Ingalls. Oh, no. handsome for an old man. I mean, fine. But handsome? He's If I were 60, I'd be all over him. Oh, my God. You're ridiculous with (laughs) the Ingalls family. (laughs) Lansford Ingalls is a little hot and saucy, I wrote, for an older man. You know who he reminds me of? Now this is going to kill it for you, I think. Oh, like, no. His demeanor more and a little oh. bit about the way his face looks. He reminds me of Nels. Oh, it's over. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and there it goes. His wife lies in bed sick. Lansford brings her in a letter from Charles. And he tries to read the letter, but I wrote, the wife is super annoying. Well, this is... This is Pa's Pa. So this is like Pa to the second power. Pa. Yeah. Why are you saying Pa? pa. <laughs> you from Boston? Pa. pa. Oh my God. Maybe I'm getting like some kind of weird You were saying Pa. <laughs> oh, this is Pa to the second power. This yes. Pa to the second power. That sounds weird too. Yeah. It's one of those weird words. Well, it's okay. It's like, I'm always trying to think of that word. I've been trying to think of it for like a long time. Where you keep saying the same word over and over again and it becomes unfamiliar to you. There's a word for that. Dementia? No, I don't know if it's even an English word, but there's a word for that. Okay. That if I kept saying paw, it eventually would just sound so strange to me, I wouldn't recognize it. Yeah, no, I I get that. That's happened to me before. Like, I struggle with aunt. I say aunt. But it's aunt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, now that we have our Scranton dialects out of the way. This is fascinating. <laughs> this is what the people pay for, Jenny. So the mother is is being super annoying. I agree. She's super annoying. She won't let him get through it. She keeps asking questions, and he's like, let me read the fucking letter, Jesus Christ. Well, the number one letter is, or number one question is, is she with child? Like, Yeah, what, like, like, is she having a boy yet? Oh, my God. Uh, and And I have to say something, and you know it's my pet peeve. He calls her mother. Oh, I know. I saw that. I and like, then he uh-oh. calls her mama later, which is even more disgusting. Okay. You had this whole problem with The Sims. Yes, I just have an issue with but it. But you didn't put up that picture of The Sims that I made. Yes, I did. I put it somewhere. I there, forget where. I didn't see all the owl crying of how amazing it was, so I assumed it didn't go up. <laughs> well, welcome to my life. <laughs> okay. In this letter, we have the following. Are you ready? Charles talks about his crops. Charles reveals Mary is almost a woman and tries to make her sound awesome by saying boys are swarming around her, which we know is untrue except for John Jr. Charles threatens to beat up Mary's suitors with a stick. Good thing there's not any. Charles asks his parents to move in with them. And then Charles calls his mother dancing grandma. So those are the takeaways from the letter. I just, my only takeaway is there's no FaceTime here. Like this is, this is it. They have to wait for this piece of paper to arrive like six months later in the mail. You know how far apart these places are? And I have to say something else too. We know that Charles is very well read. We know he reads poetry. Yeah. He speaks very well. This letter was not written by Charles Ingalls. No, no. This was written like Laura level. And didn't it say that, or didn't the father say that Charles doesn't like to write or something? I feel yeah, like that, that's like, not aligned with character. Yeah, no, it's no. Charles but again, is, Michael just disregards character. So he just oh, writes Michael, whatever Michael, now you're on first name basis with <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Mike. Mike ML. just, you know. 
<laughs> I just have this ML in my nose. The mother seems to be in rough shape and she wants to hold the letter, but she can't really see it. So that's our first indication something's wrong with well, her. Well, my first, no, no, no. My first indication that something was wrong was it's daylight and someone is sleeping in bed. That's true. Because that just doesn't happen here. That's true. She then asks Lanford if they can go to visit Charles in the spring. Mama then asks Lansford how long until sunup, even though they are in a really sunny room. So here's the scene, guys. Lansford leaves and goes into the other room to, like, light the stove or something. She yells, Lansford, when does the sun come up, even though it's bright and sunny? And then she's dead. I just I call bullshit on all this. Because, first of all, the sun was blazing right on her. Like, even if she couldn't see, which, let's discuss that in a moment, you'd feel the heat on you. Can she not feel the sun? Like, you, if you lay in the sun, you can feel the heat on you. Well, and I have a question, too. If we go by the Christian idea of dying and going to heaven. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Like, you're Michael Landon, you're writing this, you're super Christian, and wouldn't you have the character say that she saw a bright light and then die? Why darkness and then die? It was weird. No, 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 I think she's blind, I think. But, like, what disease does she have that she's going to die from blindness? No, like because again, she said that and then she just died. That was her last I know, word. but she said... She couldn't read the, like, he's like, you won't be able to read this letter in this light anyway. So, like, she has some level of blindness happening. Yeah. But, like, what what do you die suddenly from that seems to be blindness? And I'm no doctor here, people. But Well, you're, you're as qualified as doctor. Like, she seems, <laughs> I'm the doctor of Walnut Grove. <laughs> like, she seems not terribly sick. I don't know. I mean, you died of everything back then. I don't so. know, but I'm telling you, Michael landed super he- uh, heavy-handed on the writing, and he wrote that to be her last line, like she was fading. Maybe she went then to she hell. Was dead. Maybe she went to hell. <laughs> right. So then, like, did she go to hell? <laughs> wow. All right. So after Grandma goes to hell, what happens next? <laughs> and I want to make a comment real quick before we go back to Walnut Grove. Oh, God. The bed is stunning like i have a thing for those old iron beds i have one that i got from like a company that hand forges iron beds i love them you have a hand forged bed okay i do and she they theirs was beautiful i could not take my eyes off it okay anyway i have a bed from ikea i know you do in Walnut Grove, Charles has Carrie at a turkey farm. And just when we thought Carrie couldn't get more annoying, we surround her with hundreds of turkeys. This, I was like, there's a, there's a lot of Carrie in this episode. A lot, <laughs> a of, lot of, a lot, she has a lot of lines. Uh-huh. She uh-huh. has to make a decision, so we're fucked. But you're just, she's not all there, right? She's <laughs> not, something's not wrong. There. Uh, okay. She just really isn't all there. Like, they really have to get Carrie to school soon. I, I did feel guilty for picking on Carrie so much. And then when KP informed us she's on Real Housewives, mm, I don't feel oh, like I that anymore. I don't, which, which Real Housewives? I have no idea. Do we I, have to watch that? No. I don't know Mm-mm. if I've ever seen that. I think I was there a New Jersey one? There's, like, one for every, there's, mm-hmm. like, Beverly Hills, New York. I don't know. I think I saw, like, snippets of that. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Carrie is picking out the turkey they will raise and eventually slaughter for Thanksgiving. 
I learned that female turkeys are hens and male turkeys are toms. Yeah. I knew I knew that male turkeys were toms from. Remember, Hannah and Kit had a turkey. From living, I knew that. Well, they had a turkey, and his name was Tom. It was Mo. No, it was Mo and Tom. There were two of them. Which one do we eat, Mo? <laughs> I don't know which one we <laughs> ate. <laughs> Charles gets home, and Caroline tells him about his mother. And I wrote, "Poor Charles!" Like he's so upset. He's like, "That was my mama. That was my mama." And, and we realized that he didn't know she was sick, which would piss me nope. off. Nope, he didn't even know. She was sick. Yeah, that sucks. And this is the first indication we get that there's some tension between Charles and the old man. It's been like four or five years since they've seen each other. Yeah. So later, Jen, Charles is in the drama barn, grief building a turkey pen. Well, he got the news (laughs) right outside the drama barn. Right. So that leads to the question, is there a drama perimeter? Like, is there, is the drama barn now like casting a ring of like sorrow (laughs) around it? Maybe. He tells Caroline he's pissed that he didn't know his mother was sick and would have liked to have seen his mother before she died. This had me very upset. This was really upsetting also because they are only 200 miles apart. Right. So it's not like she's back east. Like he would have to take like a week long trip to get there. Like he can get there in a couple days. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a doable trip. And if he had known, yeah. he would have done it. It's not like you ha- he had to go to like Florida. Oh God, I said Florida. Oh. Yeah, I just feel like the idea. Okay, so let me just say on a tangent here. One of the things that has bothered me most about the coronavirus is the idea that people have to die alone. Yeah. And like this struck that same chord with me. Like not being able to see your loved one. I told you, I, I already told you, if I get coronavirus, I'm telling you, I'm telling nope, Timmy, I'm not I'm doing it. Everybody, bust no. down the fucking nope. door and get in there with no. me and suffer alongside me. Mom will bust in. Okay. <laughs> All right. So he calls his father stubborn and is pissed that Lansford didn't come with them. Because I guess when they had gone, when they left the big woods, the option was on the table that Lansford could have come, but they didn't. Yes. His pride. He stayed in the woods. His pride, which is one of the seven deadly sins, kept him in the woods. Yes, very good, Jenny. Caroline tells him to go to the big woods and bring his father back here. And I wrote, "Uh uh-oh, Charles is leaving town. What will happen to the homestead? Who will die or almost die? Carolyn is 100% right. He needs to just go friggin' deal with this shit in person. Yeah, but would you want him bringing somebody home to live with you? No. No. No, I'm not going that far. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying go home and, like, have it out and deal with it. No. Because we find out that they, and well, I, I kind of assumed from the beginning that he, his family, like he has more family. Yes. Background. Yes. On the train. So Charles gets on the train. Of course, everybody dresses in their Sunday best to see him off on the train, which is whatever. Yeah, that was weird. Is this the train that he went all gla- like American Gladiator on? Yes. Yes. Same train. <laughs> <laughs> the sleepy eye special. On the train to see his father, Charles encounters a mother with the son who picks his nose openly. Uh, that, I almost puked when I saw and that. And a weird old man who, like, writhes his hands and stares at Charles. I mean, that's how I spent the last three days. <laughs> it's true. It's so. Grinding my teeth. <laughs> um. So then we get a flashback, Jenny. And I have to admit, we've stepped it up a little bit with the flashbacks. No more how, do we have... Doo, doo, we doo. put a little Vaseline on the lens, and that's we how we tell everyone We put a little Vaseline on the lens, and we focus on the, the scenery flying past the train window. Yes. Done. So, Jenny, 
Guess who plays Charles in his childhood? It is young Matthew. I forget his last name. It's French. It's Albert. Labaro? Something like that? Starts with an L? It's Albert. Albert. And I wrote, are there only three actors and they just keep switching them amongst various roles? Like, Like, that's not professional. This is a thing, though. We've we've heard from other people. We're going to see this more often. Different people playing different roles. Mr. Sims? It's not professional. Mr. Sims was the Mark Twain gun salesman. And that was like only a couple episodes apart. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, weird. Okay. Wait, this gets better. So in the flashback, Lansford has tracked... See, now I'm confused because he's young Charles, but he's Albert. So I'm just going to call him young Charles. I mean, to be fair, you don't know Albert yet at this point. No, I don't. Although he was in the Benjamin Franklin kite episode. Yeah, but he was a he was a background character. But I like what year is it? Why do I think it's like 1804, like 1782? Is there a constitution? Like is there soap? It seems like a really long time ago. I think there's always soap. <laughs> just soap exists from the beginning of time. Was it like the dinosaurs and soap? Didn't you see humans? Fight Club? You know how to make soap. <laughs> All right. That's right. That's right. In the flashback, Lansford has tracked young Charles down after young Charles has threatened to run away. He says he's going west, and Lansford pulls a total mind fuck on him and starts asking him why he's running away. And as Charles is telling him, he's like, you know what? You're right. You have to deal with school and bullshit, and I have to deal with your mother telling me what the fuck to do. And so she's com- annoying. So a couple of things here. We know where Laura got the running away thing from. Yep. Here are his grievances. School. It's a mm-hmm. waste of time. Mm-hmm. And which, Peter. Which does not fit with his character. Well, I mean, he could have been like that as a kid. Sure. But anyway. P- Peter, his older brother who's bossing him around. Oh, boy. I can relate to that. The old <laughs> sibling nag. Got it. <laughs> and I have that the fa- Charles' father. I don't know his name. I'm never going to say it. Lansford. I don't care. Charles' father is the gold star fucking general of parenting. He is Oscar award winning. He is a epic guilt tripper. <laughs> Definitely was Catholic. This, I don't know what he is now, but guys, grew up he really, he really gaslit him like in a big way. Like he, he guilt tripped him like hard. He started like bashing the mother. Well, basically, he was like, "This, I'm going to leave, and the whole family is going to fall apart." And thank you, you convinced me. Yes, and Charles <laughs> is like, "Wait a minute, no, it's wait a best. minute, yeah." And so then Charles is like, "Okay, okay, let's not do this." And Charles literally then talks himself out of running away. Yep. No, yeah, I'll stay here. Everything's amazing. not that bad. It was amazing, and oh my god, Albert is so young. He's super so young. young. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Charles arrives home. Big Charles, regular Charles. Big Charles. <laughs> oh god. Charles arrives home and sees his sister-in-law Eliza. She tells Charles there's bad blood between Peter, who is Charles' older brother, and the father. Because and I wrote Carol- Carolyn's sister marries Charles' brother. Was it Carolyn's sister? Yes, Eliza's Carolyn's sister. Because he goes, you're the prettiest woman in uh, in all the big woods except for your sister. And she's Wait like, a minute. Wait Caroline. a minute. Is yeah. this fact or are you misinterpreting? No, this that? is fact. Do you have to go back and watch it? No, no, no. Are you basing it just off this episode? Because we know what Michael Landon's writing. That could mean anything. Oh, I'm basing it on the episode. I don't know if that was real. If that's okay, real pause. Life. Yes, you're right. Yes, it was We're real. Back. Yep, you're right. Okay, wow. so this this just 
totally justifies or actually va- validates, sorry, not justifies, this validates my theory about getting married at this time. Yeah. How you just meet someone, you're like, oh, you're another somewhat decent looking person that yeah. I can stand. Let's get married. Peter Ingalls, the older brother of Charles and Polly Ingalls, was the husband of Eliza and the sister of Caroline Ingalls. Wow. This would be like you marrying Timmy's brother. <laughs> Do you love marriage? Yes. <laughs> Okay, so (laughs) I have something to say about Peter. Okay. Boy, did Charles get the looks in that family. yeah. Woof. Not the intelligence, I guess, because he's the younger one. No, no. Charles is clearly, as the younger sibling, is clearly the better sibling. And that's rare because it's almost always that the older sibling gets better and everything. No, no, no. What kind of fucking science is that? Okay. I'm calling dad. <laughs> calling dad. Hey, did you see dad's in the Mimi bees? Oh, I saw that he requested to join. I let you make that decision. He's in. Oh boy. Well, what is he going to do? I don't know. We'll see. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. So Peter reveals that Charles has been gone for almost five years. And in that time, the father has gone downhill. He lost the farm and then the wife. And he talks about dying a lot and he just wants to die. Okay, so they end in a screaming match. And Peter says that Paul's been a handful and his walking around talking about dying is a lot to handle. He did it to Ma until she died and he's not going to do it to me. And I wrote, like, almost like lifting a page out of my journal. He is resentful that that Charles lives far away and just comes home. And tells him how to handle Pa. Charles is like, okay, whatever. So typically, I would always side with the older sibling. But I have to say, I'm team Charles on this mm-hmm, argument. Mm-hmm. Charles is like, yeah, I know. That's why I left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I told you guys to go with me. And you did yeah. it. Yeah, I, I can relate to this in a way. Jenny being in New York City and me being here with our parents. But when do I ever come back? And I'm like, you got to like. I just like Jenny's just like, how much, how much do you need? (laughs) Do your thing. Like, I'm not criticizing. I'll cash up you at $40. Make this go away. This guy's an idiot. Like, don't, don't, Charles, don't criticize Mm -hmm. it. Charles leaves to go see Lansford and Peter warns him not to. Apparently Lansford is a hot mess. And boy, is he ever. Lansford is clearly depressed. Oh, clearly. Clinical depression. Handsome and depressed. Which is kind of like you like that kind of thing. All right. Charles walks in. And when he does, we either, this is not clear. When he goes to see Lansford and he walks in and he says, Pa, Lansford turns around. We either have a flashback or a delusional episode. I'm like, he's either hallucinating or having a flashback. It's not made clear. But either way, Lansford sees a young Charles and he's like yelling at him and saying that, he shouldn't be working so hard. And young Charles Albert is saying like, we need the money. Like, it's just not clear what happens. But what is clear? I think the point they're trying to make here is that Lansford always kind of had this whole, like, you know what I mean? He was all, he, he's had a long history of this, like Debbie Downerness of like things are, we're screwed. Like, he, he was fell on his luck and then he wouldn't let anybody work because he didn't, you know, his pride got in the way. So back to reality, <laughs> Lansford takes Charles to see his mother's grave. And his mother's name is Laura Colby Ingalls. And I forgot Laura was named after her. Is that real? Yeah. Cool. So Charles picks up some daisies in front of her grave and has a flashback. 
in the flat. I have, I have, I have an index card. Oh, fuck. I almost got through it. I almost, I almost got through it. I want to just, I just want to say something about my index cards. Okay. Um, they're lame. I'm, they suck. We're boring. They're boring. I, no, I, you know what? I'm refocusing them and I'm taking them back to the, their truth. Oh boy. Like I'm not, I've, I've been, I feel like I've been trying to make them like fun and interesting. God forbid. And like, like something cool. And you know what? They start off as like, I was just like, Hmm, I wonder about that. And I just made an index card. You know, what? I'm just going to fucking do that. And I don't care how boring it is. I don't care how minute the detail. This is I don't why care you will never be a monarchy. television celebrity. I don't care how boring it is. <laughs> I don't care if people are sick of hearing about the monarchy or whatever. Like, I'm just going to just keep, All right. keep it real. Okay. It's going to be authentic because I feel like I'm like making up these crazy things. That... I enjoy those crazy things. I don't here's care. A, here's a thought. Why do you have to label it at all? We're Gen X. We don't like labels. I just, I like, I'm sorry. Gen though. X labels everything. Let's be anti Gen X and not label things. Whatever. Your index can card can be talk- whatever you want it to be. I know that's what I'm saying. It should be what I sit there and go, hmm, I want to know about that. Not like, hmm, will people find this interesting? Yeah, you can never be a writer. Go on. <laughs> I don't know. I'll be like Philip. Because when you're a writer, you have to When you're a writer, you have to have a foot in both camps, but go on. Anyway, so I was wondering at this point, I wonder if you could still bury someone in your backyard. I have thoughts on that too. Like, if, you know, if your family member passes away, can you just like put a grave in your yard? Because we all know how much it costs to put something in a cemetery and stuff. So I, I was just curious if that was still a yep. thing. So surprisingly, it's not a resounding no to that question, which I thought it would be. It would be like, no, no, no one can bury people randomly. Hmm. Not That is not a no. It actually depends on what state you're in. So it is a definite no in Washington State, California, and Indiana. Okay. Don't know why. Taking a a tough stance there. You can do it in Michigan, Illinois, Nebraska, Iowa, Louisiana, and Alabama, and also New Jersey, Connecticut, and New York, only if there's a funeral director supervising it. So, like, you have a funeral or whatever, the funeral director prepares the body and the casket and everything, and, like, they manage the burial, but the gravesite is in your yard. So, like, that makes sense to me because then, you know, whatever restrictions or regulations or whatever has to happen, they they know how to do that. On a side note, as of 2015, more than half of U.S. um, deaths have been cremated versus buried. I believe that. That's up from, guess how much it was in 1960? What percent? What percent were cremated in 1960? Mm, 20%. Less than 4%. Oh, wow. So, like, it wasn't a thing. Like, yeah. that's a new thing. Um, the other new thing that's kind of happening is the eco-friendly burials. Oh, yeah, the green burials. Where they bury you, like, in a cardboard box yep. and, like, you, you fertilize a tree. They, yeah, they just bury you nothing under a tree. That's just, like, burying you in the ground. <laughs> that's that's kind of taking it back to, like... It's like taking your, it back to your good old neighborhood murder. It's artisanal burial. <laughs> burial, an artisanal burial. Um. But basically, any place I looked, and there wasn't real good sources on this. Like, you have to go onto each like state website and hunt it down. You didn't do that. Really, I well, I didn't. But um, the other articles are from weird places. But 
I read several of them and they had a general consensus around just consult a lawyer because if there's regulations that could be as low as the town level. Mm-hmm. So like in Vermont and Oklahoma, they kind of leave it up to like the counties and towns, which could vary radically depending on what's happening. Like it's legal, but there's regulations around yeah. how to do it. And if you don't follow it, you could get sued by your town or township or county and you could have to dig the bar- the body up. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So make sure you call a lawyer if you're going to do that. What if you're digging, you bury a body in your yard, but nobody knows that it's there and nobody knows that you killed the person? Well, that's a murder. <laughs> that's different. There's different rules for murder. Okay. That's like disposing of evidence, basically. So my plan is I always wanted to be cremated and have my ashes thrown onto a whale. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, the Pacific. Yeah. But after seeing this episode, I think I may have changed to I want to be buried in my child's front yard and they can cry at my tombstone every morning before they like go to work. Like with the tombstone like face in their house. Yes. And they could literally cry at it every morning before they go to work. <laughs> Maybe you could do both. Maybe you could cremate and bury half your ashes. Maybe. That'd be interesting. Okay. Are we done? Yeah. Okay. In the flashback, Charles is playing violin. First of all, I want to talk about this. He starts calling this violin now. I always thought it was a fiddle. Same thing, aren't they? I don't think so. Oh, my God. Do we know anything in this episode? We know nothing. Okay, let's just pretend. <sighs> we're, we're just moving on. I really need to sleep. I just I have no brain power so at all. They used the same actress. And even though Lansford <laughs> like, cleaned up super hot to be young, no, the no, mother did not. This didn't work. It didn't work for him either. The, they both look 60 years old. They needed other actors here. Why are they so lazy with their casting? I don't know. They don't have a big budget. It's bad. It's, I mean, look at what they paid people in Halloween. 25 bucks to stand there for a minute. <laughs> true. Like, how much could they have to pay these true. people? Jenny and I are in the arts. We know that people would do shit for not much money. <laughs> this was the third season. They could have gotten free actors for this. They talk about Paw. And how his great dream didn't come true and how he never smiles. He lost the farm and Charles defends his paw and says it's not his fault. He lost two full crops on weather. And I wrote, oh, my God, this totally oh explains Charles' complete breakdown last season when he lost yes. the crop to the tornado. I was a little confused on this, though. Maybe you can clear up my confusion. Did, was Lance, because it seemed like I thought he didn't leave. Like, he didn't leave the big woods. And this is why... You know, like the crop may have failed. Maybe the soil's no good. Maybe you kind of need to leave for another opportunity. And he just didn't. So he never had more opportunities. Yeah, that's how I took it too. But then she talked about him being, the mother was talking about how he liked to move around. But I think that how, was before he was pinned down with the family. Oh, that's the impression okay. that I got. Okay, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. The mother says Charles is like his father with big dreams, but she and Peter are more grounded. And Charles reveals to her, oh, God, God, help me get through this next part. <laughs> Charles <laughs> reveals to her that he had a dream once, Jenny, in which, wish he, in which he wished on a wildflower and it would come true. This is something I would have written as an eight-year-old. Jenny, what would you wish for on a wildflower besides election results? What would you wish for on a wildflower? Uh... <laughs> uh... Would you wish for a bundle of cash? Would you wish for me to live with you? No. Would you wish for my children to live with you? I would wish for dad to move in with you. With me? (laughs) (laughs) 
No. You know, there comes a certain point in your life where you're like, I just can't live with my siblings or parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I would wish. I would wish I would wish for a big giant pile of money so I could travel continuously and not have to work. Okay. I would wish for a giant pile of money so that I could just podcast all day. Yeah. Like I could do what I want. I could give money to my family. I could travel. That'd be so much fun. I don't know if it would be, wait, you would wish for a big pile of money so you could do the thing we're doing right now. Right. Cause we still have jobs and we're trying to squeeze this in. Oh, that's right. We do. Whereas I could just do this. (laughs) It's not hard pressed until I have a job this week. When I want to. Right. Um, doesn't wish. On a wildflower, sound like a Tom Petty like song. A, yeah, sound, no, I was gonna say something more like bread, like a bread song. <laughs> Do not come for bread. Uh, <laughs> you know, I feel about bread. <laughs> Remember, I used to put on Dad's record. Okay, oh, they're terrible. Back in reality, Charles is grabbing the daisies and crying. And later at dinner, he tells Lansford that he's taking him back to Walnut Grove, and Lansford says he cannot leave the mother. They argue a little bit and Lansford says he wants to die. And Charles comes at him. They have this big dramatic fight and Lansford slaps him. That was amazing. And I have it on tape. I have it. I've recorded it. It's going in the Mimi Bees. So let me back up a little bit. When, when When they were just normally talking and then it was getting a little heated, Charles kept saying, my crop, this crop, my crop. And like, I couldn't stop laughing at it because it sounds like the same crap, this crap, my yes. crap. It was so funny. And then, and then I was like, kind of, I don't know, glancing at my phone, maybe, right? <laughs> and then all I, I hear this laugh. I don't see no. it. I'm like, what just happened? Oh, no, 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 no. And I had to like rewind it. I have the slap. It's First good. of all, do you remember there was a show, I think it was on NBC and it was called The Slap. And it was just about a slap. Yeah. Oh, I never saw it, it was, when I heard about it. It was that angry actor. I forget his name. He <laughs> slapped a kid at a birthday party. Oh, somebody else's kid. It turned into a whole thing. Yeah. Yep. Who I heard about sat it. sat around and is like, we need a show based on a slap. It's kind of like the butterfly effect shit. Yeah, but why would you call it a slap? Because it was about the catalyst of a slap. I don't know. You can't base a whole shot. Needle's sake, I canceled quickly. Someone did it. I canceled <laughs> quickly. Michael Landon. <laughs> okay. So, Jen, things then take a dramatic turn as they always do. Because, <laughs> of course, it's, it's raining and thundering. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, Charles is out of his mother's grave crying and talking to her and begging for forgiveness. Did you hear what he was saying? No. I'm sorry, Mama. I didn't mean to hurt you. Oh, God. I can't. I can't. I didn't mean to make you cry. Shut <laughs> up. M&M Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> no, he started it off like yeah, that, okay. though. Wait, are you referencing John Lennon's jealous guy? No. Clean out my closet, Eminem. Oh, because jealous guy also is very similar to that. Whatever. Oh, didn't we already determine that we think there's a Beatles fan on the set of Walnut Grove? I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm sorry if I made you cry. I didn't want to hurt you. I'm just a jealous guy. That's the lyric. Anyway, I think Eminem right. lifted that. Maybe. From John Lennon. They sample. That's what they do. Whatever. So all of a sudden, in the background. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have to have compound tragedies. Um, Little House on Prayer. We can never just have one tragedy to focus on. There's a raging fire. 
like raging, instantly raging. <laughs> In, a, in the pouring rain. And Charles runs back in the house and Lansford is lying calmly in bed and refuses to move. And I wrote, this is dark. The door is locked. This is dark. And he's, this is dark. They're burning that beautiful fucking bed. Do you believe this? This was like, like what hero mode is this? <laughs> He did run in there, save him, and carry him out. He busts in the door, runs into a blazing fire, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. rescues him. Mm -hmm. This is super, this is like hero motherfucking mode. Hero mode. Okay, uh, Lansford is then pissed, Jen, that Charles didn't let him die. And Charles is like, that's it. I'm taking you home with me. It's over. He's basically like, not on my watch. So the next day, they hitch a ride to the train station. Lansford doesn't look happy. They say goodbye to the mother's grave, and then they leave. They get a ride from some neighbor or something. They get a ride to the train, train. station. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back at the Ingalls, Jen, Carrie is oh. torturing her turkey by tying a rope around its neck and trying to walk it. <laughs> and Laura, hero of the episode, has the best line. Are you ready? Mary says, Carrie, turkeys can't walk. And Carrie goes, then why do they have legs? And Laura goes, fair question. Fair question. And Laura goes, so people can eat drumsticks. Awesome. Savage. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Mary and Laura are stunned that Carrie's not putting two and two together here and realizing they will literally be eating Tom. Because I mean, Carrie's like what at this point? Six. Yeah. She's got to be like six. Cause Laura's like 12, yeah, right? Yeah. So she's got to be like six or seven. Yeah. Because she's five years younger than them, mm-hmm. than Laura. And she, like, has she never witnessed a Thanksgiving? Does she not understand that the turkey on the table is also a turkey that used to be, like, she knows nothing about the world. Well, again, things that could be cleared up by honest communication, like Charles should have said to her, pick out the turkey we're going to raise and then kill to eat on Thanksgiving Day. But did she see a turkey as a guest? At the other Thanksgiving. Okay, so this is the thing. So Mary realizes Carrie must think they're inviting Tom to dinner. Have many turkeys come to dinner, Carrie? <laughs> I mean, the only turkey that has been at Thanksgiving dinner has been on a plate. I know. I know. <sighs> okay, at this time, Charles and Lansford pull up and the kids run to greet them. And Carolyn, Caroline runs towards Lansford like she runs to Charles. Like it is. Carolyn gets so excited. Carolyn, I think, may have the hots for him. Well, it was, this was really, when they were leaving, it was really sad. Like, cause, and, and kind of Carolyn's greeting of him made me think of this too. Like how final everything was then. Like, cause it was hard to get places. Oh yeah. So like you may not, like you may be leaving and not see somebody ever again. And that, you know Jenny, what I mean? Like you just never do. If you couldn't see me for five years. I felt like that already happened, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. We haven't been, been together since like, well, quarantine, you know. I mean, it's the classic family thing. Like, everyone's like, oh, my God, it's so great to see you. And then two days later, you're all like, I know. Can you stop tapping your hand on the table? I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Later that night, Charles is playing his fiddle, and the kids are dancing, and the Edwards are there, including Carl's Jr. I saw him. I'm like, what shit's going to go down? Here, Here's Laura's partner. Caroline and Lansford are off talking on the side about Laura dancing and how much she looks like her grandmother. And we learn that Lansford picked out her name. 
Poor Mr. Edwards, ride or die Edwards, missed a hero mode. He totally missed an epic <laughs> he hero did. mode. He did. He could have, you know, I bet you if Charles got word to him somehow, he would have booked it out there <laughs> to rescue Lansford. A 200-mile mm-hmm. ride. Mm-hmm. Later, Charles leads Lansford to his sleeping quarters, which looks like it's in the sod house. Well, there, yes, yeah. but before that, there's a little bit of introspection, and you can tell that by the, like, strange introspective look that Lansford gives <laughs> by the fire. Is he the greatest FaceTime actor of our lives? No, I forget what Charles says, but you can tell it kind of sinks in that, like, like, Lansford realizes that his depression, essentially what it is, has, like, cast this cloud over his whole family. Sure. Like he's starting to realize that. And then they have that conversation in the sod house. Yes. So in the sod house. So the whole thing was Charles was bringing Lansford here and he was going to add on to the house. Right. So, which is stupid because you know how to build shit. You have limitless property pretty much. Build him his own fucking house on the property. Yeah. Like how how much does it cost to run a second fireplace? Right. So anyway, Lansford suddenly says to Charles, like, mm, don't build that addition just yet. And he reveals that, you know, he feels uncomfortable because he feels like they don't really know each other. They love each other, but they don't really know each other. But I don't think that's what he really, I don't think that's really why he's doing it. I think he realizes that he like has this black cloud with him and he doesn't want to bring that into Charles's house with his kids and his wife. And like, he wants to kind of like, I mean, they had no words for this then, but he kind of wants to like shield, get over things or shield them from it while he deals with things or whatever. Jenny, this man just tried to light himself on fire. Would you leave him alone? Oh, exactly. I yeah, weird. Yeah. No. If somebody has just tried to commit suicide, don't take your eyes off them. But I don't think they understood it like we do now. No, they didn't. And that's the end, Jen. I loved the sod house because it's dark. Yeah, you would love it. And it's like quiet. It's probably super dark, quiet. Dark, super quiet. No one ever goes in there. Yeah. Yeah. End of part one. Abrupt, ab- abrupt ending of part one. Abrupt end of part one. Okay, Jenny. Whose fault is this? Oh, God. Oh, I forgot about the whose fault is it. Um, I'm going to say this is... This is... I'm going to blame Lansford, even though... I'll get into why it's not really his fault later, but I am going to blame him for this. I'm going to blame Charles because it's real shitty to go away, move away on your sibling and leave your sibling there with your parents no. to take care of. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. Especially if you invite them. Yes, it is. It's super shitty. Your city. Super shitty of you to do. And you know how Charles is. He would have fixed this shit if he lived there. Peter is the subpar sibling. Or would would he have suffered the same fate as Peter? Like he got out from under the cloud. Peter looks okay. Because it seemed, well, he seems very cranky and angry. And ugly. (laughs) But I remember what they were talking about, the fire. Laura, or Carolyn was talking about how she really wished the grandmother saw Laura again. Yeah. And and he realizes that he kept all that from happening. The father kept all that from happening. Right. Because the mother kind of talked about that. Grandmother kind of talked about that in the beginning. It was really. How he kept promising to go and they would never go. It was really rotten that he kept the grandmother from them. And that didn't even tell them that she was sick. Well, we don't know if she was sick. We don't know what was happening. Was she just dying of old age? Was she sick from something? We don't know. Was she blind? I have no, no idea. idea. 
We know Doc as Baker. much about her as Doc Baker would. Doc Baker would have figured that out. He'd be like, I don't know. She's either going to die or she's not. <laughs> the, well, tonight's going to be touch and go. If she wakes up tomorrow, she didn't die. <laughs> like, you literally have the same effect whether he's there or not. Like It's like he's more like a, a commentary than a doctor. <laughs> like, he's giving you the play-by-play. He's not doing anything to change it. <sighs> okay. So at the end of every episode, Jenny and I go back and we talk about a theme or some kind of lesson that we learned from the episode, either in its original viewing or on the rewatch. And we call it our why it's designed to finish the sentence Gen X. This is why. So Jenny, what is your why for this episode? So this is why we need to study, diagnose, and treat depression and continue to do that. Um, Agreed. It's a real disease with real and real physical and mental symptoms, and it has wrecked so many people's lives and generations of people's lives. A hundred percent. Like, and I'm talking specifically about clinical depression, uh, which is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an imbalance in your brain, which I actually have. It's a, um, your serotonin, you don't have the right serotonin levels and they know what that is now and they know how to treat it. And when I first went through treatment in 2004, I think that was, I went on medicine for about a year and a half and, you know, started seeing a therapist and everything. And, you don't understand what it feels like to feel normal. Like, I don't think I was ever fully like balanced before that. Like I didn't understand what normal meant. Right. Like it just wasn't a thing. Well, I think if there's anything that has been, has any good that has come of the past year, it's that we're suddenly paying attention to people's mental states. Well, and what's interesting is like, I, you know, I have the clinical version of depression. There's many different types of depression. And that happened at a time when like I had a breakdown around that time and it, you know, nothing major or crazy. Like I wasn't suicidal or anything like that, but I had nothing bad happening in my life at that time. Like it, it, there was no explanation for it. Right. Like it just was clearly chemical, but there's a thing called situational depression, which I think most people are experiencing this year. And that that's totally normal. Like people have that when something yeah, bad happens. I've struggled really normal. I've struggled with situational depression many times. But yeah, but this is probably you come out of it. Right. But this is probably the worst it's been is this year. Yeah. Because you're and just it's tough. Woof. And it's tough and there's ways to handle it. There's ways to yeah. treat it. But there's some great podcasts on depression. Um I'll have to put them up in the Mimi Beats. I forget what the one is. It's like a mental health happy hour or something like that. And the the host of that described, I thought he had the best description of the difference between clinical depression and situational depression. They're like, thinking you know what clinical depression is like by experiencing situational depression is like thinking that you know what Italy's like by going to the Olive Garden. Right. Like it's like, it's a taste of it, but it's it's something that, it's completely out of your control. I'm going to take issue it, with the Olive Garden being a taste of Italy. But that's, no, like that's a purposeful Can I, can I try a better metaphor? Maybe it's like thinking you know what it's like to be a parent when you babysit. Maybe. Or people who have dogs and think they're parents. Maybe. Like, I, I think I'm know. a parent this, to my dog. I treat my dog he, like a child. He has clinical depression. This is what he's describing it as. It's good. It's good. Like, I think the point is the Olive Garden has, you know, like the only thing that's similar is like there's pasta on a plate. Like that's right, about right, as, right, right, as right. close as it gets. I think it's a purposefully bad example of Italy. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
like that, you know, and I thought that that was really interesting. And, you know, it's something that I've, I believe in like taking care of your mental health and therapy like that could completely change my life. Like I can't imagine what my life would be like if I hadn't gone through that. And like, I haven't, you know, I had to go back on medication once very briefly, right. When I moved to New York and that's been it, like that was 15 years ago. And like, I haven't had to remedicate. Like I know how, you know, I haven't had, I haven't had problems with it. Even when we're in a situation like this, like you and I talked about this, I went right into, I'm working out four times a week. I'm eating right. I'm not drinking a lot. Cause I knew this is the type of situation yeah, that, that could, could tip one way yeah. or the other for me. So, cause like when you're, when you, when you have that possible imbalance, you could, you know, you could tip it either way. It's not like, you know, it's not, you know, like minor things don't bother me, but like, you know, this is a prolonged, prolonged situation that could really right. send you back into some kind of situation. I still meet with my therapist once a week. Like it's, well, and I don't, it's something you got to watch and take care of. I think, you know, we take for granted a lot of the things that we do that maybe we're not aware of that add to our mental health, right? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't realize how important it was for me as a mother to have some alone time, whether yeah. that means coming out to see you or going on a conference or going out to dinner with a friend. And now that I'm not getting any of it, yeah. you realize yeah. Like, it's like a pressure cooker. Like, I used yep. to have a way to release some of that steam. And now it's well, not here at all. And I can't even, I don't even have work to go to, to have adult yep. conversation. I think a lot of people are dealing with that. Yeah. And like, I think part of it too is, I think society makes, especially mothers, parents, but especially mothers feel guilty about like, wanting things that aren't for the betterment, like that, you yeah, know, like that yeah. aren't, aren't in support of their children. Necessarily. They make that it seem not in support, but that seems yeah. selfish, quote unquote. Yeah, but right? it's not. But like, if you take care of yourself on the most basic levels, like it's not like you have to do what I do, right? Right. <laughs> but like <laughs> on the most basic levels, yeah. And and if you do that, everything else is easier and better. You're right and because it, for, it impacts the people in your life in a positive way. For me to even be a good partner and wife, I have to have that right. alone time yeah. to take care of myself. But you're right. Like yeah. people make you feel selfish and guilty. Yeah, and that is like the least that is you're doing that not just for yourself. You're doing that for other people also. I remember when I know like if I don't take care of myself, I'm an awful person to be around. Yeah, she is. Like I know she that. Is. <laughs> um I remember when I tried to be a stay-at-home mother. Yeah, that didn't go well. It wasn't for you. No, it just wasn't for me. And it's for a lot of people, but it wasn't for me. Yeah. But you did yeah, a lot of people thoroughly enjoy that. Yep. But you you were do you were doing it out of guilt because yeah. you felt like you you were supposed to. Yeah. And that didn't last long. Okay. So my why is a little different. This is why we respect we. When I say we, I wanted to say we as a generation. You're speaking for the whole generation. But I might just say me because I don't know. You tell me if this is a generational thing. This is why I respect. Well, just make it like perhaps this is why we as a generation. Perhaps this is why <laughs> we as a generation respect adults because we had a real window into the nightmare that is their lives like think about this we're young kids and we're seeing charles and caroline and all their struggles and all they have to do to like raise their family whereas a lot of kids show just show the kids point of view yeah you know what i mean but we're watching these very adult themes and it has it like from a young age i always had this very reverent, I don't know if that's the right word, respect for adults. 
And like all the shit they have to deal with. Yes. And I and I don't feel like mom and dad necessarily like were always putting it out there what they were going through. So See, I feel like I saw more of that than you did. Yeah. So like I, I don't think older. it came from that, but I think it came from shows like this. Like yeah. where you saw how they just struggled all the time. Like even Charles, even his parents struggled. Yep. Well, and then you see them dealing with their parents and like Yep. Just every Yeah, and every time you turn around there's a horseshoe that's needed. There's <laughs> Like I was trying to think of a show that my kids watch that gives this same perspective and I can't really think of one. Like they watch a lot of kids shows. Mm-hmm. Like think about the sitcoms we watched, right? Like Growing Pains and stuff like that, Who's the Boss? Like none of that stuff was serious. Yeah, at the parental level. Get into like, yeah, I mean, this is also looking at a time before ours when life was just generally harder, but it does it didn't seem to matter. Like that still drove that idea. Yeah, home. and the, like even the theme of you know, like we we said, like suicide, depression, like seeing not seeing loved ones before they die, like all that stuff. Like it's just those are very mature themes, and I think it gave us an insight into parenting. And adults in general mm-hmm. that we would not have had otherwise. Like, look at Mr. I Edwards. Mean, like, we see him and he's fun, but we know he has a tortured past. We oh, was was the audience? This was a family show, right? It wasn't necessarily. Kids but I or feel like it show, was right? geared. It had a foot in each camp. I hate to use that metaphor again. That would be a family, show. right? Because we definitely related to Laura, and it was written. Mm-hmm. You know, Nellie, Willie, Laura. That but was it definitely all. Wasn't I? Don't think it was focused at kids necessarily i don't know i don't know i think it was made for the entire family but i don't think you have a lot of shows like that anymore that are like heavy like that yeah yeah Hmm. i'll have to think about i haven't really thought about just like i just really always respected the struggle that charles and caroline because it's every day go through yeah maybe they prepared me for parenting because you know the 17th time penelope ran away i was ready for it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you got on your horse and <laughs> I don't have a ride or die though <laughs> <laughs> alright so Jenny why don't you tell everyone what's coming up next it's going to be part two of this I thought that was is there a description like, oh my god we all know what happens don't we <laughs> this is Jenny phoning it in Jenny can you tell us what happens what's the description we all know what happens <laughs> go ahead Jen predict it <laughs> Um, I predict that although he is still struggling with his wife's death, Lanford adjusts well in Walnut Grove and bonds with everyone in the family, especially Laura. Unfortunately, another tragedy threatens to tear them all apart just when things are starting to look up because, of course, it does. Do you think Lanford dies? I mean, he's not around. He dies. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I like him. He's cute. He kind of looks like Charles. Like, he looks like he could be his father. Maybe he is. Look that up. <laughs> no, I mean that. I feel like he would do that just so he doesn't have to pay an actor. Okay, guys. Um, Jenny's got some weird beeping happening in her background, so we're gonna head out. Um, check out our other stuff, our blockbusters, our little house episodes drop on the regular feed every Monday. So go check those out, and uh, you can get in touch with Jenny and me on Facebook. Is where we are mostly. I think I was on TikTok for a day. I can't believe Dad's in the Mimi Bees. Dad's in the Mimi Bees. Say hi to our dad, Sam. He's in the Mimi Bees. God, what's he going to (laughs) do? All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Gen X This Is Why. 
To better support us, consider signing up for our Patreon. You can find information about our levels, bonus content, and all other perks at genxthisiswhy.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at the same handle, genxthisiswhy, letter X, spell out the Y. Thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting your independent podcasters. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.